You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. there everybody and welcome back to circling Seattle sports on converge media i am your host as always charles hammaker here yes it's me um man i don't know if it's the bags under my eyes that you might be able to see or maybe i look sickly but uh yeah when i talk about how the beginning of the year 2023 has been really busy for us i'm not kidding so um yeah a lot of a lot a lot going on obviously with our teams i mean the seahawks are in the offseason preparing for the nfl draft currently still going through free agency um the mariners have kicked off opening weekend and the regular season is underway the storm are still kind of in limbo it's the off season um the sounders are fully underway the kraken are in the thick of a playoff hunt the rain are underway the sea wolves are you know in the thick of their regular season the sea dragons are in the thick of their regular season so um yeah it's it's been a it's been really busy uh, we've also got obviously CSS futures and uh, we have some news on CSS college here soon, but it's been busy. It's been a lot. So um, next time you're on a social feed or something, just, you know, we're doing our best. All right. We're doing our best. So uh, we're going to kick off obviously with our Seahawks here. There's not a ton going on uh, with the Seahawks right now. Again, as I mentioned, they're preparing for the NFL draft uh, doing, doing scouting visits and such. And, and with those visits, I think the Seahawks are having a little bit of fun um, with this possibility of what they're going to do with their top pick. They're the number five overall pick in all of the NFL this year. Uh, they've been visiting uh, some schools with top quarterbacks in the uh, the college landscape. Uh, so we'll go here through some of the photos. They've, they've been having the quarterbacks take these selfies with them. Uh, so you can see on the left there, uh, We've got, I believe that C.J. Stroud is on the left. Bryce Young is on the right there. Uh, so Ohio State, Alabama. I'll let you take a look at that for a second there. Um, and then we move over here to Will Levis, I believe at Kentucky. Um, and then on the right, Anthony Richardson uh, at the University of Florida. Richardson obviously gaining a lot of talk um, around the NFL and around Seahawks, uh, Seahawks fandom uh, for his athleticism and the possibility of him being taken at the five overall spot. I still don't think that the Seahawks take a quarterback, excuse me, with their number five overall pick. It also might depend on how it all shakes out. You know, it, it, it really is interesting to see how the top four teams in the draft are going to go, whether Jalen Carter still goes in the top five, considering uh, some of the incidences that have taken place prior to this year's draft. Um, and since the college season ended, uh, how many teams decide they really do want a quarterback? You know, where do CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson go? Where do those four go? What if those four go before the Seahawks pick? You know, is then then Will Anderson the obvious pick there? Does Will Anderson go in the top four? So there are some variables there. And, you know, now that I put that into words, part of me thinks, part of me believes there's no way that uh, the Seahawks take a quarterback with their number five overall selection. Uh, the other part of me is thinking it might be possible depending on the way that things shake out. You know, I know Tyree Wilson is somebody that um, has been viewed for the Seahawks at the number five overall pick. So long story short, the guys that aren't in the war room, we don't know anything. Um, well, we know some things, but it, I, I think there are some variables that go into it. I don't think that pick gets used on a quarterback. I'm going to say that now. I also said that I didn't think that Geno Smith would be the starting quarterback. So, you know, things things shake out uh, here and there. I would still like for Will Anderson Jr. to be the pick at that spot if he's available. Um, Tyree Wilson's got some athletic upside. Uh, do you give um, Jalen Carter a chance after what's been happening with him? The Seahawks have been notorious for giving uh, players with troubled histories a second chance. Or do you get a guy like Anthony Richardson, develop him, let him sit behind Geno? I know that John Schneider said that they really liked him, but he's obviously got some things to work on, like all the quarterbacks in this draft. So if you were looking for a clear and decisive answer on what I thought uh, would happen uh, here, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. I'm sorry. Um, so 
I think it's I think it's going to be interesting when the draft comes around truly. And I'm even hearing that uh, the Titans might try to move into the top five. You know, there's there's some uh, there might be some potential shakeups with the draft uh, before we even get there. So um, that's about it for our Seahawks. Again, there's not too much going on. Obviously, last week they they signed Bobby Wagner, so that was good to see that come uh, that happen. Uh, Seattle get that done. Um, so that's that's what's been happening with the Seahawks. We move over here to the Mariners side of things where, um, as I mentioned last week, I recorded that episode on Sunday night. So we didn't get the Monday game that the Mariners played to wrap up spring training. And we'll go over that here. Um, March 27th versus the San Diego Padres was a 4-2 loss. Our player of the game, second baseman Colton Wong, one hit, one RBI. It was a nice crowd there for that last game of spring training. A uh, nice crowd at the Peoria Sports Complex and nice Arizona day. Again, still weirdly chilly um, this spring, but it was nice to see that, you know, the guys were, the starters really played a few innings and then they were out of there. Um, and then the, the Mariners team playing left about an hour after that game had ended. So they got done with that game. They got into the facility where a ton of stuff had already been packed up and loaded onto trucks and the plane and they got the hell out of there. So um, there was that. Uh, Liv and I left Arizona on the 28th. On the 29th, the Mariners held their uh, Diamond Derby and Skills Showcase. That was kind of uh, fun to see. It was mostly a... It was essentially like a workout that took place um, and that the fans were able to bear witness to. I mean, they did have uh, sort of a home run derby kind of thing. There were a couple other, um, there were a couple other activities that they had them do, like a bunt competition. Um, if you've ever played top golf, there was like it, it was the names. Uh, the name of the event was called Fungo Golf, um, where they had the uh, coaches of the Mariners try and um, get a ball as close as they could uh, to certain targets in left field. Um, so. We've got that. Um, myself and Matthew Bermudez were there, uh, and we have a little short sort of video um, from that event for you here. That's that is processing. There it goes. That will show you, um, so you get a little bit of a better idea. I'm trying to explain it, but we'll, we'll show that to you here instead. Charles Hammaker here with Circling Seattle Sports and Converge Media. Myself as well as members of our team are here at uh, T-Mobile Park. We've got a little bit of uh, a fun day here right before opening day. Uh, the Mariners are going to do a little bit of a workout here in about three minutes, and then they're going to have some fun activities for the fans here. Each row's down, uh, down the line. They're signing some autographs, so it should be a lot of fun ahead of a really, uh, really exciting season following the Mariners breaking their 20-plus playoff drought. Charles Hammaker here with Circling Seattle Sports and Converge Media here at the Diamond Derby and Skills Challenge. I believe it's the first time that the Mariners have hosted this event. We're a day before opening day. Uh, another big season on the horizon here for our Mariners. Jared Kellen just wrapped up launching some mammoth homers. Hopefully looking to see that during the course of the season. Uh, should be another exciting year for the team as well as our coverage of the team. So make sure that you're tuned in with us all season long uh, as we hope for another playoff berth. So you get a little bit of an idea of what took place there. Again, it was essentially a, a workout that the fans could pay 10 bucks on a Wednesday afternoon and get into. Um, I hope that they continue something like that. I know a lot of people have been clamoring for FanFest to return. Um, I don't know if that's what's replacing FanFest. You know, I believe, as I mentioned, I believe it was, and I think it for sure was the uh, first time that the Mariners have held that sort of th event. Um, there were some things to work on, but... I hope that they continue that again, 10 bucks to get in um, and just improve upon it. But, you know, it was a nice little event to have prior to opening day. Now we'll get into the actual games themselves here. Uh, beginning on March 30th, opening day versus the Cleveland Guardians. Lots of uh, festivities, um, lots of fanfare. Our Mariners would win that game three to nothing. Our player of the game, first baseman, Ty France. France, three hits, one run, three RBIs, a go-ahead three on homer in the bottom of the eighth inning would give the Mariners a lead, and then ultimately Andres Munoz would come in at the top of the ninth, lock that dame down, 
uh, France's three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth broke a 30-inning scoreless drought for the Mariners since the last time they were at T-Mobile Park, uh, which goes back to that 18-inning game against the Astros in the uh, third game of the ALDS, which isn't ideal, you know, but um, it was nice to see them break that. This is also where I show the photos from these games, and I want to make sure I did that. Uh, that game, the last spring training game against the Padres, um, I'll show that. This photo from Liv here, you've got Eugenio Suarez uh, in the front out of focus here. <coughs> Excuse me, because we've got former Mariner Nelson Cruz in the background laughing and trying to joke with Gino while he's at the plate. So it's always cool to see Nelson around. Um, just a great guy, really respected veteran around the league. Um, and you've obviously got him messing with Gino here, which was a lot of fun. So that was a favorite photo of mine from that day. Um, and then with opening day here, um, this one kind of told the story for me. Uh, we've got. Um, the fans in the background, you know, with this new pitch clock, um, it's it's huge. It's out in center field, um, at least the one that the batter can see. And the fans throughout the course of this homestand have been counting down uh, when a Cleveland pitcher has been on the mound. And that was showcased here against James Karinchak of the Guardians, um, who eventually gave up the three-run homer to Ty France. Uh, walked a couple. You watched JP Crawford. He uh, he hit Colton Wong with the pitch, um, and then gave up the homer to France. Uh, and it was really fun to see. You've got them ticking down. Uh, they did the same thing yesterday, um, which was Sunday. So uh, no, it was a lot of fun to see that see that take place. And it was really the this, the ballpark really got loud. And I thought that kind of helped tell the story. Um, of that game really because it was a tight game it was a great pitching matchup between uh luis castillo and shane bieber um neither team able to get runs until that bottom of the eighth inning so that, that was a lot of fun to see um we go here uh back here um as i mentioned luis castillo's name he was our second player of the game from opening day six innings pitched only one hit allowed it actually came off of the side of his head and his hair he ultimately was fine and is able to stay in the game didn't allow another hits after that. And he struck out the side after that. So, um, and he also had six strikeouts on opening day as well. Uh, March 31st, first of the guardians, things did not continue positively in terms of the result. The Mariners would lose that one nine to four. Robbie Ray struggled. He would end up getting uh, put on the IL. Well, I'm skipping ahead here to injury news, but Robbie Ray would struggle on that one. Um, and the Mariners defensively struggled as well, which isn't something that's been characteristic of them. Uh, last year and the last few years, they've been really solid defensively. And their pitching has been really good. And neither of those things went their way in this game um, against Cleveland. Our play of the game center fielder, Julio Rodriguez, two hits, one run, and one RBI on that day. It was also Julio bobblehead night. Uh, and Julio had two singles in that there. So he he did his part. The only problem is with the two singles that he hit, they were two of the three hits that the Mariners recorded that day. So it's uh, not ideal for the rest of the lineup. Um, on the 30, no, on the 1st of April, our Mariners would get shut out. They would lose that one two to nothing to Cleveland. Uh, tight one, uh, it was a struggle. Uh, Logan Gilbert pitched an otherwise solid game. He only allowed the one run, uh, gave up a solo homer to Josh Naylor, uh, you know, and one run ball. That's not bad whatsoever in today's MLB. Uh, the only problem is he didn't get any run support. You know, that was the only blemish on Gilbert's day. Uh, Diego Castillo would come in later and give up a solo homer. I believe it was uh, to Andres Jimenez. Um, but the Mariners just, they got blanked. And they didn't have an answer um, against Aaron Savali. Uh, so no player of the game there. I mean, he gets shut out. You know, if, if, if we were to give one just to give one, it would be to Logan Gilbert because, you know, again, a solid start, only one run. That's hard to complain about. April 2nd versus the Guardians, a 6-5 to five loss in 10 innings. Our player of the game, third baseman, A. Eugenio Suarez, two hits, two runs, and an RBI. Another tough one. I mean, the Mariners' bats were, <coughs> excuse me, were awake from the bottom of the first when Julio Rodriguez hit a solo homer to lead off his seventh leadoff homer in his career, uh, making him uh, second on the Mariners all-time list of leadoff homers uh, in a career trailing only Ichiro with 37. So Julio's got a ways to go to catch up to that. Um, 
so that they would have that solo homer in the first, but then Marco Gonzalez struggled in the second inning, uh, gave up. He couldn't get out of the inning. He had two outs, um, two outs, but he had two runners on as well. And Mike Zanino, former Mariner, uh, hit a two-run homer to left center, uh, and it was a three-run inning. So Seattle went in the hole there. They were able to match Cleveland, but they weren't able to score any runs after the sixth inning. Uh, and ultimately, um, in the tenth inning, Penn Murphy walked two players. Two batters, my apologies, loading the bases. And then it was tough on Gabe Spire. Gabe Spire came in, uh, and the Mariners actually almost turned a double play to end the inning and get out of the mess. Um, but Cal Ross, so the, let's see how it went. Yes, Cleveland hit a little comebacker to Spire. Spire got the automatic out at home plate, and then Cal Raleigh went to turn a, a double play and throw it the first, but the ball um, wasn't able to be picked by Ty France at first, and a run would score. So, Tough one there. The Mariners weren't able to respond in the bottom of the 10th, and they would lose that one, lose their third straight. We'll go through the photos here. This is from the loss on the first. Oh, wait. We don't have the other photo. Where did it go? Hmm. That's unfortunate. Hmm. Three, three, nine, four. Well, um, we're on time crunch, so you got to be careful. Um. On the first here against Cleveland in the shutout, we've got Julio Rodriguez, who kind of sums it up, you know, not looking happy. I, and I understand why he doesn't look happy uh, when they got shut out. Uh, this actually by Matthew Bermudez. I apologize. The tag in the top right is wrong again. It's been a very busy start to the year. I apologize. Um, and then we've got this photo uh, from yesterday's game by Brian Saldana, uh, where he captured the broken bat, which was cool to see of Julio Rodriguez for that one completely splintered. Last two photos were Julio. Talked a lot about Julio. He's ultimately our player of the week as well. Um, he had three consecutive multi-hit games, uh, totaling in six hits, two runs, two RBIs, one homer, one stolen base, and a 3-3-3 batting average to round out the opening weekend. Uh, that photo that you see there with him holding his Silver Slugger and AL Rookie of the Year award are by our photographer Liv Lyons um, as she was there on site for opening day and the game on the 31st, yes, against um, against Cleveland. Uh, tough one there. Um you know, Julio's going to Julio. It was good to see him start the year off right. I mean, multiple, um, three consecutive multi-hit games is great to see. Uh, what's not great to see is that injury news that I kind of alluded to uh, and was one of the photos that I was going to use for the 31st, which for some reason didn't show up. Um, on the first, the team had to place left-handed pitcher Robbie Ray on the 15-day injured list with a left flexor strain. Um, as a result, <coughs> excuse me, um, as a result, left-handed pitcher Gabe Spire was recalled from Triple A Tacoma. As a result, so you mentioned you you will hear that I mentioned Spire in that game on the second. Um, I hinted to Ray being injured. One of the photos I was going to show was this one actually here uh, that highlighted Ray's tough outing. Um, it was tough. So it's it's tough. He's been put on the 15-day IL. He did throw a bullpen on the first, and he said he felt good. So I think he's just trying to build that back up um he was present at the game yesterday post game i saw him uh with i believe some family uh after the game on the field so i mean he seemed in good spirits which is nice to see that's probably obviously going to happen when uh you're around family as well um but you know it's tough there's a lot of criticism array um he pitched well last year um, after one of the Houston games where he started to make an adjustment. Uh, everyone's going to remember the home run he gave up to Jordan Alvarez uh, in the first game of the ALDS. So, well, that one, and he had a tough outing against Toronto in the second game of the wild card. I, I just don't think it's fair to blow up. And, you know, to be, to be fair, um, there's been a lot of criticism from Mariners fans in general, a lot of overreaction, and I get it. You know, there's heightened expect expectations after you broke your drought last year. But, hey, man, we've got 158 games to play. We're in April. The beginning of April, no less. Please calm the hell down. Like, things are going to get better. Let's just slow things down a little bit, and we'll move on from there. It's it's going to be fine. I assure you, it's going to be fine. This team last year in June was 10 games under 500, and they ended up making the playoffs. Please, 
please calm down. Um, we'll go over the opening day roster here. Um, we had a good idea of it, and we actually had a opening day roster preview uh, in, in our articles. Um, but we'll go over it. There's not much change. I believe there's only three new players um, on this list, and we've got two players that are on the injured list. The pitchers are the same, uh, except for... I believe, I think Gott's the only new one. Yeah, so Matt Brash, Diego Castillo, Luis Castillo, Matt Festa, Chris Flexen, Marco Gonzalez, Logan Gilbert, Trevor Gott is the new addition to the pitching staff in the bullpen. George Kirby, Andres Munoz, Penn Murphy, Robbie Ray, and Paul Sewald round out the pitchers on the opening day roster, 13 of them. Uh, you're starting five uh, in the rotation. I believe we talked about this last week as well, but we'll go over it again. Luis Castillo is your number one. Robbie Ray was your number two. Chris Flexen will take his spot in the rotation now that Robbie Ray is injured. Um, number three was Logan Gilbert. Four, Marco Gonzalez. Five, who's pitching today. And by the time you're watching this, uh, we'll be a few hours away from first pitch where he'll take the mound. George Kirby rounds out the rotation at five. Some people are wondering why is Kirby below uh, Gonzalez. That's so he can get the extra day of rest uh, as he can use to acclimate to a bigger workload. Reminder that Kirby really did not pitch that much in AAA. Um, and the catchers, the team is carrying three catchers at the moment. One of them is a little versatile, so it doesn't necessarily fit the uh, strict catcher mold. Cooper Hummel listed as a catcher slash outfielder. He can also play first base. Uh, Tom Murphy and Cal Raleigh round out your three catchers that are on the roster. There are five infielders, J.P. Crawford at short, Ty France at first. Uh, Tommy Listella can play both corners, usually third base, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Eugenio Suarez at third, and Colton Wong at second base are your five infielders that are on the roster. Four outfielders um, and one injured list outfielder. Teoscar Hernandez will mainly play in right field. I don't believe he'll play at all in left field. Jared Kelnick, A.J. Pollock. Julio Rodriguez and Taylor Trammell. Trammell is the one on the injured list. Him uh, suffering a tough injury right before spring training actually began. I believe it was like a day or two before spring training began. Uh, and then they have the infield, infielder slash outfielder list uh, is two people, one of them being on the injured list. Number one, Sam Haggerty. And number two, Dylan Moore, Moore um, who, uh, again, talked about this last week, um, who Scott Service said should be able to join the team here uh, before mid-April. So that'll be good to see. But you've got a nice, talented bench there. I mean, you've got, at least bench-wise, more Haggerty, LaStella, Trammell. So you're going to have options. Um, it's just about getting those guys playing time. And I don't think that should be a big issue, considering that you want to get guys rested and give them off days um, and just – rotate obviously when left-handers are starting uh on the mound against the mariners aj pollock will get some time so you know but i'm happy with the opening day lineup really again they're going to take some time to get acclimated it's these early months of the season it's cold the ball does not travel as well Teoscar hernandez will be hitting home runs i'm sure of it he's had some really hard hit balls that just die in this air so again i reiterate please calm down <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we go over here to March 1st. The team actually traded for somebody on opening day. No, the day after opening day. I apologize. Um, when the team acquired infielder slash outfielder Nick Solak from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for cash considerations, uh, Solak had actually been placed on waivers the day before. Uh, so like he's gonna he was automatically optioned to triple a Tacoma, which fills up the team's 40 man roster. He's a 28 year old who is my apologies designated for assignment by Cincinnati on the 30th. He's appeared in 250 major league games across four seasons uh, from 2019 to 2022, all with the Texas Rangers. Um, he has a career batting average of 252. Uh, with 117 runs, 35 doubles, three triples, 21 homers, 93 RBIs, 19 solely ba stolen bases, 74 walks, getting on base at a 327 clip, slugging uh, 372 with a 700 OPS. He's appeared defensively at second base, third base, left field, center field, and first base. So I think a lot of it is the Mariners are just taking a flyer on him, uh, truthfully. So, I mean... I'm not going to take too much stock into it, but again, it doesn't hurt to take a flyer on guys. You know, we, we've seen that work out in the past before. Um, so 
The Mariners sit at a one-win, three-loss record uh, after four games and after one series. They're at fifth in the AL West. Again, please don't panic. Um, Looking ahead, they will wrap up this homestand with three games against the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Tonight, the 3rd at 6.40 p.m. and tomorrow, the 4th at 6.40 p.m. And then April 5th versus the Angels, uh, 1.10 p.m. That is a getaway game. They will fly to Cleveland immediately after that. They get the 6th off in Cleveland. April 7th through 9th is against the Guardians again um, in Cleveland, as I've said. This it feels like I've said in Cleveland multiple times. Um, April 7th at Cleveland is a 1.10 p.m. game. April 8th at Cleveland is a 3.10 p.m. game. And April 9th at Cleveland is a 10.40 a.m. game. Uh, those are all in Pacific Standard Time. So uh, we've got some early games there on the 5th and 7th and 9th. And then kind of a middle of the afternoon game there on the 8th. Uh, we don't have any storm-related news for you. Again, they're kind of in this interesting limbo as we wait for the WNBA draft. Uh, but there is this fun little tidbit. Uh, it's been announced previously that Sue Bird's uh, number 10 will be retired on June 11th. Uh, also on that day, the first 5,000 fans in the Climate Pledge Arena will receive this Sue Bird bobblehead that you can see holding a WNBA title and holding up four fingers to symbolize four rings. So if you don't already have tickets for that, you're probably going to want to go and buy those. Um, first 5,000 fans into Climate Pledge Arena will get that bobblehead. Uh, and later on in the day, Sue Bird will have her number 10 retired. So that will happen there. Again, nothing else really going on in storm-related news. We go over to our Sounders here. Uh, who continue their regular season and continue to remain hot. Specifically, the Leo Chu um, and Jordan Morris combination continue to remain hot. The Sounders would win that one uh, on April 1st. Two to one, our player of the game, uh, player of the match, I should say, forward Leo Chu. Chu, an 8.3 match rating, one goal, one assist, one shot, a 75% passing percentage, and one chance created. Um, the first goal of the match was scored by Jordan Morris on the assist from Chu, and then Chu would get one himself. The Galaxy would get a goal late to try and bring them within one. Ultimately, Seattle would hold them off um, and secure the victory there. Seattle got severely over, um, outshot in that game, uh, but they were able to come away with the victory. Um, it was. It's really great to continue to see that combination of Chu and Morris. Both of those two uh, lead the league in. Um, Morris leads the league in goals, uh, and Chu leads the league in assists. So, it's it's been really incredible to see that combination just fire off. I know Leo Chu has been someone who's gained a lot of criticism uh, since he he signed with the club back in I believe it was 2021. Uh, people have wanted more from him. He's gained about 10 to 15 pounds since he uh, arrived in Seattle, um, and it, things look like they're starting to click for him. So it's really great to see that uh, with some of the uh, I know that the players that were on international break uh, in the match against Sporting Kansas City were able to return, but a lot of them um, didn't return until they were substitutions. Brian Schmetzer decided to run with a hot hand. So, hey, it worked. The Galaxy are slumping. They haven't won a match yet. They're now no wins, a draw, and f- uh, no, no wins, a loss, and f- no, oh, goodness. <laughs> no wins, two losses, and three draws. So, it's good to see that. Um, and I mean, it's hard to argue with the the way that the season has gone so far. You look at the first two matches, you come out and blow out Colorado, you beat Salt Lake, and you really dominate Salt Lake. You lose to FC Cincinnati on the road um, in a late goal. It's tough. Should have been better in there, sure. You draw with LAFC. Probably should have won that one as well. Uh, you beat Sporting Kansas City. Uh, in a, a large margin, and then you beat LA Galaxy. So you started off the, the year really well. You obviously, like the Mariners, you've got a long season ahead, so you've got to continue that. But they're exciting, uh, exciting, exciting signs so far. So we move over here to team notes on the 27th. Uh, Jordan Morris was named the MLS player of the match day. Uh, 
He was voted the MLS uh, Player of the Match Day, presented by Continental Tire for Match Day 5 of the MLS season. It's essentially Week 5. Uh, Morris scored a club record four goals in the Sounders' win over Sporting Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park, as we've mentioned. Uh, he became the 16th player in MLS history to score at least four goals in the game and the first to accomplish the feat on the road since Clint Mathis scored a league record five goals at Dallas on August 26, 2000. Morris now sits third all-time in club history in both regular season, uh, 49, and all competition goals at 59, passing Clint Dempsey in both categories. Uh, Dempsey, 47 regular season goals and 57 all competition goals. He now only trails Freddie Montero and Raul Diaz in scoring. So you have to feel good uh, for Jordan Morris. Had a tough last year. And, I mean, I was even critical of him. Um, when the when the news of the extension that he signed this offseason dropped, I was like, hey, you're giving this guy a five-year deal um, based on you know what you've seen from him already and with the knowledge of his injuries. Are you ready to be prepared? Are you prepared um, in case that doesn't work out? And it's at least the early returns are working out. So that's good to see. So um, we look ahead here. The Sounders sit at a four-win, one-loss, one-draw record. They are third in all of MLS and second in the Western Conference behind only St. Louis City FC, who they play on April 8th here at home at Lumen Field with a uh, kickoff time of 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. That is on Apple TV, but that match is free on Apple TV. So that'll be a big one between the two top teams on the Western conference. And I believe should decide who after that match will sit atop the West, um, which, you know, that'll be cool to see. That'll be really nice. Um, and that'll be a big match as well. So, uh, there are also a few matches going on that day. Um, the Sounders play that day, the Kraken play that day who are up next and the Seawolves play that day. So that's, going to be a busy day in Seattle sports. Uh, we continue on here to our Kraken, who I mentioned, uh, playing three games over the past week, two of them at home, uh, including two tough losses. First, March 27th at the Minnesota Wilds to complete that road trip that they were on, uh, losing that one four to one against a good wild team that actually can clinch a playoff berth tonight. Our player of the game for Jaden Schwartz. Schwartz, one goal, one point, one plus minus, six shots, and one takeaway. Matt Boldy got a hat trick there, a natural hat trick. So uh, that, that was just a really ugly one, to be completely honest with you. Seattle just got kind of dismantled in that. Um, Boldy had that hat trick. A lot of mistakes happened in that one. Uh, I believe Martin Jones would uh, – yes, I believe Martin Jones came in uh, in relief. Um, so that yeah, that one was just ugly to be told. So truth be truth be told. Um, and on the other hand, of things, I mean, Minnesota is also just a good team. You know, Seattle had played a couple tough games on that road trip, starting with uh, overtime against Dallas, a shootout loss to Nashville, and then a blowout win over Nashville, and then they go into Minnesota and get blown out. So tough result there. You'd like to see them just be better overall. You know, just cleaner. You know, some mistakes were made, as I mentioned. March 30th versus Anaheim, a 4-1 to win. Our player of the game forward, Jaden Schwartz, again. Schwartz, one goal, one assist, two points, a one plus minus, four shots, one hit, and one takeaway. Seattle took care <coughs> excuse me, of business against the Ducks, like they should have. This is a Ducks team, again, that's been poor all season long. They're in the hunt for Connor Bedard with the top pick in the draft. If they're able to get there, if they lose that much, um, and excuse me, um, this one got a little chippy like it did the last time that these two teams met, the last homestand. Um, but glad you were able to take care of business, handle that, get it out of the way. They weren't able to take care of business on April 1st versus the Kings, losing that one three to one. The Kings get an empty net goal to add that third goal um, to the score sheet. Our play of the game forward, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand, one goal, one point, two shots. Uh, one hit and one takeaway. This one's tough. I mean, LA, you know, has been one of the best teams in the league since the all-star break. Um, they've played really well since the trades that they've made. Um, they, they're just a tough team. They're tough. They're physical. Uh, they know how to score. Uh, this was a defensive matchup through a period. Um, 
they would eventually give up. Uh, Seattle would give up a goal in the second uh, to Sean Dersey. Dersey was at, left wide open back door because five Kraken skaters were on one side of the ice, leaving Dersey all alone back door for an easy tap in. Martin Jones played overall not too bad in this one. Um, and even the second goal was tough as well. So uh, this is a game, again, I talked about it in the loss to Minnesota. You've got to be cleaner as a season. you got to be cleaner in general. you got to be better. you got to be smarter defensively. But especially with this ticking down, you're only one point ahead of Winnipeg for the top spot, uh, the top wildcard spot in the Western Conference, and you're only three points ahead of Calgary for that uh, for that spot. So uh, Nashville is at 84 points, Seattle's at 90, Cal- uh, Winnipeg's at 89, Calgary's at 87. So things are heating up, and you cannot afford to keep losing points as the season goes on. You're going to hit a uh, what should be a beneficial stretch uh, here through the month of uh, April. Uh, with some teams that are really down and out of things. You also play the Golden Knights a few times before the season wraps up. So ultimately, it's do or die. It is do or die. You have to play a lot better. So I'll start. I'll stop yelling into the microphone, and we'll go over our pl- uh, photos of the matches uh, from March 30th here versus Anaheim. Here's Matthew Bermuda's got this really – I love this shot of Daniel Sprong celebrating – um, after a goal here, it's been nice. You know, Sprong was someone who got healthy scratched a good amount here um, in favor of Jesper Froden and John Hayden uh, celebrating this goal here against the Ducks. And then Liz Walter, who you'll know from uh, getting a lot of shots of our rain and our Seattle Thunderbirds, has been huge for our Thunderbirds coverage. Uh, got her first game against the Kraken here, and it got this really great photo of Yanni Gord taking on, it feels like, about uh, five uh, Los Angeles Kings here, and he's got even someone trying to rip his helmet off. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. That ended up being the the photo I decided to pick for the uh, the article's cover photo. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. So that's it for our photos of the games. Uh, we go to Player of the Week, and you know, with his name being mentioned twice, you kind of could have assumed or put uh, put the mental math together. I went with Jaden Schwartz uh, with another photo here by Liz. Schwartzy, two goals, one assist, three points, 11 shots, and one hit over Seattle's past three games. So a point a game uh, average isn't bad over the past three games. So, again, it's it's, it's been a tough stretch. Uh, there's no team-related news, but, I mean, we'll, just looking ahead at these next four games, these next four games, let alone the rest of the month of April, let alone the rest of the regular season schedule, three of the next four are at home. Two of them are against Arizona, who have been pesky. They've been scrappy. So, I, I you can't mark them off as automatic win. You can't mark off any of these games as an automatic win because you play Arizona, Vancouver at Vancouver. That's the second day of a back-to-back. That's tomorrow in Vancouver. And Lord knows your record against Vancouver. You come back to play the Coyotes again. And then you play the Blackhawks, the Chicago hockey team. My apologies. Um, With the way that the wildcard race is going, and your magic number now sitting at nine and still sitting at nine after the loss of the Kings and uh, Nashville won that day. (sighs) You kind of need to like sweep these games. You kind of need to hit a win streak now. You can't afford to keep dropping points against bad teams. It's... uh, Here's a positive. I'm talking about like things you need to do. I'm, uh, I'm angry, all that. Andre Burakovsky was on the ice today at practice in a red non-contact jersey. So, and he was with the main group. So that's good to see. Nice to see Andre Burakovsky back uh, with the main group. Could mean his return is sooner rather than later. Considering the red con- no contact jersey, I wouldn't put you know all my eggs in a basket yet. But good to see. Anyway, I've said what I needed to be said. I think the point has gotten across here. I talked last week about the magic number and that explanation and how they can get to the playoffs, how they can clinch that playoff berth. So, But the easiest way to do that is to not have to worry about Nashville or Calgary or Winnipeg and win your own games. So do that first, and I won't have to explain how you can clinch a playoff berth. So here we go. We'll go with the next uh, four games. The Kraken set a 41 win, 26 regulation loss, eight overtime loss record. They are fourth in the Pacific Division at 90 points. They sit in the fourth playoff spot in the Western Conference, occupying the first wild card. Uh, only one point ahead of the Winnipeg Jets, as I mentioned. 
Their next four, April 3rd versus the Arizona Coyotes at 7 o'clock. That is here at Climate Pledge Arena tonight. April 4th at the Vancouver Canucks at 7 o'clock. April 6th at the Arizona versus the Arizona Coyotes, my apologies, at 7.30. Um, and then April 8th versus the Chicago, Black, the Chicago hockey team, my apologies, uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So, whew, are you tired of me yelling at you yet? You know, uh, anyway, we move on here to our OL Reign, who, after this past week's match, they get a little bit of a break until the home opener. So, April 1st, uh, on the road, second game of the year, second game on the road at New York, New Jersey, Gotham. The Reign would win that one two to nothing. Our player of the match forward, Bethany Balser. Um, Oops. Bethany Balser, an 8.3 match rating, one goal, two chances created. Um, it's, you could have gone with just Fishlock as well. Fishlock scoring the first goal of the season for the rain um, on a great assist from Rose Lavelle. So that was great to see the rain burst through um, and get this win against Gotham. I mean, Gotham is a good club. Uh, they've got a lot of talent on that roster, and it's good to see the rain break through and win their first match of the season. Doing so without some key names. Their injury report against Gotham, four players were out. Angelina continues to be out with that season-ending injury she suffered last season. She's still working back. Uh, Phoebe McLaren continues to be out with a back injury. Uh, Quinn is still out with a leg injury. And Megan Rapino was out with a calf injury. Nobody was questionable. All four of those players were out. Um, it's really great to see this. I mean, Fallon Tullis Joyce getting the, the, uh, the clean sheet there, that back line helping out. Um, as well, obviously, and doing so on the road, second match in a row on the road to begin the regular season, and against a Gotham team that's got a lot, a lot of talent. You know, this was one that was was nice. Uh, it was, it was, I would say it was tight, but the Rain scored their uh, two goals, I believe, both in the first half. Let me get that right. I don't want anybody to be mad at me. Um, again, please give me some patience. Uh, I've it's it's been a long, long beginning of the year. Um, Gotham. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Fishlock in the 31st and then Balser in the 62nd. Balser was able to get that goal that she scored um, off of a corner where the ball was bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. She was able to get a foot on it, push it past the goalkeeper, um, and the rain would score a have a 2-0 advantage. So that was nice to see. Um, they do have the next week off, so there's no upcoming. Um, I could do upcoming, but it wouldn't be for two weeks away. Uh, when they host the San Diego Wave on the 15th here at Lumen Field. Uh, but it was nice to see that. You know, some some struggles still with finishing. I'm sure there could be some improvements there. But it's it's nice to see a win. I'm sure that it helps some confidence out as well uh, moving forward and in terms perhaps of finishing. Um, but before above anything else, nice to just get the victory. So the Reigns sit at a one-win, one-loss record on the season, fifth in the league table now with the two points that they secured and the two points that they have overall in the regular season. Uh, they are on a little bit of a break right now, but they will get back to uh, action on the 15th against San Diego here at Lumen Field, which is the home opener, obviously. Um, we move over here to our Seawolves, who they were in a little bit of trouble. They were in a little bit of trouble. They played on the road versus the NOLA Gold. Uh, they were down at the half. They were down in multiple scores. They would be able to come back, get a lead, and then they had to hold on to that lead as Nola didn't make it easy. As you can see, the final score there, they would win 36-35. to 35. Our player of the match, wing Connor Mooneyham. Mooneyham, 10 points scored in total. Two tries scored to get those 10 points. 50 kicking meters, 10 ball carries, and 136 running meters on the day. This was one... Nola, I mean, Mooneyham scored the first try of the match within like a minute of the game starting. And then Nola kind of brought the fight to Seattle. They were, you know, Nola was three and three heading into this one at 500. Not necessarily spectacular, but they brought the fight to the Seawolves team that's undefeated. Um, Seattle would say, hey, we're not going down like that. They would be able to get the... the the lead back, and then they would have to deal with Nola, who didn't want to go away. And they had to ultimate, I believe there was even a penalty that was called on the one meter line. So um, really great to see this win. It pushes them to 6-0, and and it shows some resiliency. You know, this is a Seawolves team that they haven't won every uh, every match by a blowout. Um, 
So to show this resiliency now just makes me feel better about going forward because if they were just blowing everybody out and they weren't necessarily battle tested, it, you know, you would have a little bit perhaps less confidence uh, in, in a deep playoff run of sorts because you want to see people get battle tested prior to the postseason. Matches like this show this team's resiliency and their fight. So it was good to see them get that victory there. No team-related news as of yet. I'm sure some of those Seawolves players, probably Mooneyham, will be voted uh, to the MLR's best 15 from the last week. But one, we're on a time crunch. And well, we're on a time crunch. Um, so I won't sit here and dwell on it too much. But they sit at a six-win, no-loss record. They're undefeated through the first, well, technically seven weeks because they had a bye week. For seven weeks of the season, they're 6-0. and They should have 26 standing points, first in the league, first in the Western Conference, just ahead of San Diego. They're bitter rivals. Who's their next match against? San Diego. April 8th versus the San Diego Legion, 5 p.m. Pacific time. That is here. That is at Starfire Stadium. Uh, that will be on Fox 13 Plus locally and the rugbynetwork.com anywhere else. Um We'll be tuning in live from Climate Pledge Arena that day. Um, well, tuning in from Climate Pledge Arena that day on the Rugby Network, we'll be watching that on. Um, but this, it, it's just a big match. Um, I don't believe, yeah, no, there's no way that San Diego is undefeated. But San Diego has uh, 26 standing points as well. They're right, sitting right below um, Seattle in terms of the Western Conference, in terms of the overall standings as well. Let's look here. Yes, San Diego is a five-win, one-loss record. Um, Ooh, their point differential is actually better than Seattle's too. Yikes. They've scored eight more tries. They've allowed two more tries. Ooh, that's going to be a big battle. That is going to be a big battle. And it's a rivalry game. So that'll be really cool to see. Speaking of teams that are on fire, that are doing well, some fire there that works well the sea dragons um have won their fifth straight they beat the arlington renegades on march 31st on the road uh a 24 to 15 winner player of the game quarterback ben denucci uh 21 completions on 32 attempts 266 passing yards one passing touchdown and 50 excuse me two rushing yards leading the team in rushing yards uh as excuse me, a uh, former league leader in rushing yards, as well as the top running back on the roster, Morgan Ellison, was inactive this game. Uh, this was a nice game to watch take place. I mean, this, the, the Sea Dragons defense is something that I talked about in week three when they got their first win. And I was like, hey, you know, these guys, the defense has played well. And I talked about it when they got their second win and their third win. And the defense, I mean, holding them to 15 is great. We've known about this offense since the draft happened, since the rosters were made. Um, and they seem to be putting it together. Danucci did have an interception on the day, so you got to work on that. But I don't think there's, there's, there's been a day where the, the team ha has been able to go clean turnovers-wise, so that's something to clean up. Um, but, I mean, five wins in a row, that's great. That's I mean, they're the hottest team in the XFL. Somehow they're third in the XFL North. Uh, their division slash conference because of the fact that they got off to that 0-2 start. But um, they got a good chance to rectify that this upcoming week. So before I get there, we have a little bit of a tidbit of team news. March 28th, um, the game against the Guardians, the Orlando Guardians on the road last week, was actually the most watched XFL game of the week with 1.1 million average viewers. So that's kind of a cool tidbit. Um Looking ahead, they sit at a 5-2 and two record, as I mentioned. Third in the XFL North. Their next game is against the D.C. Defenders at home at Lumen Field on April 9th with a 4 p.m. Pacific time start. That's on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus if you're not going to be at Lumen Field for that one. Um, and this is against the team that you lost to week one. There was the whole thing when the D.C. fans were throwing lemons on the field. Um and you're playing a team that sits atop the XFL North, so you have a chance. Wait, are they atop the XFL North? I don't. I don't want to be sure about that. I could be wrong because it doesn't seem like Washington DC should be in that. Um, nope, they are in the XFL North. Yeah, they're six and one. Um, the Battle Hawks are five and two. Seattle is five and two as well, but considering the fact that St. Louis beat Seattle head to head, there's the tiebreaker there. Seattle's record is good for. Is better than the entire XFL South, but because of the teams that are in the XFL North, 
Seattle sits at third in the division. So that's a big battle as well. Going to wrap up here. Normally, this is where we do Seattle Star of the Week. But again, because of the time crunch, got to get us out of here. Uh, I want to take a minute. Uh, I'm sure people will click off, and that's fine. I get it. Um, take a minute. Talk here. Again, whether I do I have bags under my eyes? Kind of. Um, you saw me cough a little bit there. I think I'm sure part of it's the lack of sleep. Uh, it's been a busy start to the year. It's been a really busy start to the year. A lot of exciting things happening. You know, our Seahawks made the playoffs last year. The Mariners made the playoffs last year, and they've got some exciting pieces. They're on regular seasons underway. The Storm, Supers last year, they made the playoffs. They've got a retooled team. Uh, that should be an interesting season to cover this year. The Sounders look good after winning CCL last season, not making the MLS playoffs. Um, the Kraken could make their first playoffs in franchise history and only their second year as an NHL an NHL team. The Ray made the semifinal last year, won the Shield, uh, added some interesting pieces in the offseason. Uh, Luani should be joining the group soon, I believe. I hope so. Um, and they're looking, they're playing their second year at Lumen. Um, the Seawolves made the MLR title last year due to some interesting circumstances. They started the year 6 and 0. The Sea Dragons, their first year in this iteration of the XFL, they're 5 and 2, won five straight. The Seattle Orcas, the uh, cricket team, is going to be playing in July. We've got a, a CSS Futures, uh, you know, which has been a lot of fun and, and really, really will start to kick off when these uh, minor league uh, seasons start to kick off. So, um, And then we've got CS Col- CSS College. We're going to be starting on there soon. Um, a lot of exciting ideas for what's going forward. You know, We've added a few photographers to our team. So there's a lot going on. Um, I just want to thank everybody for their support, you know, whether that's a like on Twitter or retweet on Twitter, uh, you go and like the YouTube videos, you leave a comment, you know, we see that I see that and it helps. It helps. Don't let anybody don't, don't think it doesn't. Um, you know, we're, we're in these press rooms that huge outlets are in and we don't have the same capacity that we do. They do. We don't have the same resources that they do, you know, and we're still doing this. We got a hate comment, which was kind of fun, saying that I'm writing coattails. I've built Circling Seattle Sports off my back, you know, 2019, started a podcast, started doing interviews through my own grueling going on Twitter and Instagram and social media and LinkedIn and reaching out personally for interviews and getting that and having to fight and scrap for everything not having a car going down to Shaney Stadium for all rain matches for our first press credential that we ever received, which is, it's up, it's up there. I don't want to move the camera now, lose focus and all that. Um, you know, joining Converge after I've already built a lot of this and built a lot of connections and taking care of their pro sports coverage, you know, and, and really making Converge a home and doing a lot of great things with Converge, you know. So any idea that I wrote anybody's coattails or I, you know, that any of the work that myself or any of the great folks of Circling South Sports have done is off anybody's back or because of we're just getting in, you know, a load of a word I won't use on camera. We're the best at what we do and we're going to continue to be the best and we're only going to get better. So I hope you're on notice. I hope you are tuned in. Um, give us a follow, all of that. Anyway, I'll stop looking at you weird. We'll get out of here. Play my intro. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.